Welcome to the podcast stream for the sermons from Orchard Hill Church. We are so thrilled that you found us. If you have questions about our church or want to support us financially, head over to our website, ohohio.com. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy. Before we open the word each week, we have a simple prayer that we pray together. You'll see it on the screens. We simply say this, we welcome you to speak, Lord. Only you have the words of life. Today, our scripture comes from the book of John, two different verses. First, John 3:16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And then later in John 10, verse 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You can be seated. I want to dismiss our fourth and fifth grade class this morning. If you are in fourth or fifth grade or wish that you were and want to skip this sermon, you can go (laughs) with Patty and Dave and this crew back to our classroom. Thank you for being with us today, especially the whole like Kaya's family, extended family crew. It's so great that you guys are with us this morning. Uh, We're so excited to celebrate her baptism. And if you're here today and you didn't know we were having baptisms and you were like, hey, you have water. Can I go? Yeah, we have clothes. We'd love to baptize you later in service. Just let us know during our time of communion. But we're glad to be together as we start a series together called Bless This Mess. Bless This Mess. This is a uh, four-week series where we're going to dive into the mission of Jesus and the mission of his church and what it means for us to get messy and join God in the world that he so loves. I want to start today with a meme that maybe you've seen if you're an internet type of person. Maybe you've seen this picture before. It's a picture of a dog sitting at a table with everything on fire and then just saying, this is fine. Um, This meme was created by a guy named Casey Green. He created it in 2013 uh, as he was dealing with his own mental health crisis. He felt like his entire world was kind of crumbling and burning down and that every day just to make it through, he was having to be just like this dog, is just pretend that everything was fine. And uh, you might not know this, there's like actually six panels to this comic. By the sixth one, the dog is melting like an ice cream cone because of the fire. The idea being that uh, sometimes we can tell ourselves one thing, but the reality is much, much different. And if you've seen this used in pop culture, it's been used to apply to everything from our political climate to our global climate, from parenting young kids to even Brown's football. Sorry, too soon, maybe. Um, I know. That was a low blow for the sermon. Somebody's about to walk out. Um, <laughs> But look, the idea being that, uh, man, even though sometimes we have to tell ourselves things just to get by, if we are really honest about the world that we're in, our own circumstances, maybe even the condition of our own hearts, things aren't fine. And there's things we have to tell ourselves to get through, but if we were really honest, we'd say that things are kind of a mess. Things are not fine. This, This world is a mess. Maybe you've been there. Or you're putting on a happy face to get through the day, but if you were really honest about what's happening inside of you, maybe in your household or your workplace, 
or even as you look at the headlines of our world. Sometimes I have to refuse to read the newspaper because I don't know if I can handle it because there's so much else going on. If you've ever been in a place where you feel like the world's on fire, I want to encourage you with good news today. And the good news is something we've just celebrated, even what we've just read uh, in the Christmas season, we recognize that God sees a world that's not fine, and so he does something. That God so loves the world that he gives his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That God looks at the world and sees what sin and death has done, and he says, this is not fine. And so he sends his son. And in the sending of the son, he comes to bring life. Or another way to put this, to use a, a southernism, is that Jesus came to bless this mess. Jesus came to bless it. And the word bless is a specific Bible word. It's a really good word because the word bless is used throughout the entirety of scriptures, but particularly in creation and in the role that God says his people will play in the world. Walter Brueggemann says to bless is to give power for life to another. The idea is that when I bless something, it does not have the inability to live in and of itself. So I give it Blessing so that it can live and life can be extended. When God blesses the world, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Through his blessing, the idea is that he gives the power for life to be extended. That what is lifeless and fruitless becomes alive because God brings blessing. When God blesses, it is so that things will live. A world cut off from the life of God by sin and brokenness. The only way it can live is if God steps into it to bring life into the world. That's why when we read the intention of Jesus in John 10, where he says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. We see that Jesus is speaking in terms of life or death, of blessing or curse, the idea that you can be apart and separated from the life of God, or God can bring life into your world by bringing blessing into your world, the blessing of himself and through him, life. And he says that's his goal. His goal is that what is stolen or destroyed, that that would not have the final word, but that through the entrance of Jesus into our world, blessing and life would come. Well, how does Jesus bring life to the world? He brings it, as we see in the Gospels, through walking a specific path of faithfulness to the Father. There's a, an illustration I want to show you that we're going to use throughout this series. Uh, you'll see in the middle of the circles is the way of Jesus. This is like a brief roadmap of the uh, life of Jesus to help us kind of wrap our mind around this, because this is important if we are the church are the body of Christ, or if we're an extension of the life and mission of Jesus, we have to understand the life of Jesus and the way of Jesus because that shapes the way we are to live in the world. So Jesus' life, if we start at the green circle there where it says present, all of mission starts there, that Jesus shows up and he's empowered by the Holy Spirit and then he goes through the world listening to the Father, being attentive, and then being obedient to what the Father has sent him to do, even to the point of death. And when he dies, the Father raises him and brings resurrection into the world. This is how the life of Jesus brings life to the world, that he shows up, 
He's empowered by the Spirit, and he's attentive, and he's obedient. And then the Father does what only he can by bringing life. And Jesus' life becomes what the Scriptures say is the first fruit of the new creation. That when Jesus is raised, this is like the sample, the taste of what is coming to everyone as he brings life to the entire world. And if you've ever read the Bible all the way through, spoiler alert, in the end, he brings life to everything. He brings life and light that there's, there's no darkness, there's no sickness, there's no pain, that he is the one who shows up. He brings heaven to earth and all things are made new. Life is the goal. It's where we're headed. As the church, it says in 1 John, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. In this series, we want to talk about how Jesus' life is to shape our life. How the pattern of his life shapes us. Jesus' life is the pattern by which we join him in seeing his life come to our communities. If you've not been to Orchard Hill before, our, our mission statement is that we are a people sent to practice the way of Jesus together for the good of our communities. We believe that God wants our communities to live. He wants your family to live. He wants you to live. He wants to bring his life and his blessing into every place where we are. It says, if God has a strategy in putting you where you work and where you live and where you play, putting you there uniquely as light and life so that his life can be seen and known by the people in your world. We're assuming this about God and his mission, that God loves the world so much, not only that he sends his son, but that through his son, he sends the church so that every place can see the light and life of God wherever we go. That means the mess of this world is to be blessed when the church, like Jesus, enters into the mess around us to see it live. So I want to look back at this pattern. Because this is the pattern we're going to stake ourselves as the church on. That if we are going to be followers of Jesus, then we're going to have to live lives that are shaped by the way of Jesus. We're going to have to practice. And we're going to, we're going to kind of Tarantino this thing by starting at the end. I want to talk about being fully alive. Fully alive. We read it in John 10 that he's come that we might have life and have it to the full. That this is the goal for God's mission in the world. The goal is resurrection life for everyone. God loves your neighbors, and he wants them to know his resurrection life. God loves your family. He wants them to know his resurrection life. God loves your enemies. He wants them to know fully alive the way they were designed and created to be, that sin could not rob it of them, but instead that they would know the fullness of his life. This is the goal. And most of us, when we think about the mess of our own life and the mess of the world that we're in, there's a deep longing in us for it to be different. I think that's why reading the headlines can be so hard some days because we know that it shouldn't be this way. We know it's not fine. And we long, we pray, come Lord Jesus. We, like, we want the world to look fully alive. And we're fully aware that most of us in many facets are not experiencing the life that God has intended for us. Every tragedy, every war, every broken family, every death, we lean forward asking Jesus to bring this into the world. But the way this starts, the way that we see this begin to enter our world by following the pattern of Jesus starts by being present. Like all mission starts with showing up. If anything gets in your bones from this series, I hope it's that idea that mission starts with showing up. If we hope to see our world look different than the mess it is. The first step, the first step 
is showing up to the people and the places that we long to see change. When Jesus showed up, John said, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. The pattern we get from Jesus's life is that if we want to see a mess transformed, if we want to see it blessed, we have to show up in that space. And while Jesus didn't get messy by becoming a sinner, he did get messy by becoming human, by literally not staying where he was, but by showing up in the flesh in the world. That's a, that's a huge thing for us to recognize, that all mission, if you want to see your friend's life change, then you have to show up for your friend. If you want to see your family change, you have to show up in that space. We pray for so many things to change. And there's a lot of things in our world that are beyond us. But the things where God has placed us, the relationships, the people, the first step of mission is for us to be present in a way, present in a way where life and blessing can begin to be known and seen in our world. The second thing, Jesus was empowered. It requires Jesus to be like Jesus. It requires Jesus to be like Jesus. I love that Jesus' life, his mission and ministry on the, on the earth, when you see it begin, in Matthew it reads like this, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. That the mark of Jesus' mission and his move towards the cross, his move to bring life, he shows up. But then there's this moment where the Spirit rests upon him. And it affirms who he is. It affirms his identity. But he's also empowered and set apart for the work that God has for him. When John describes what Jesus comes to do, he says, look, I'm baptizing with water for repentance. But the one who's coming is coming to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Meaning, one of the only ways that life will come to the world is if you receive the presence of God in your life. This is important for those who don't know Christ to know that you cannot know the life of Jesus apart from him giving you his Holy Spirit. But it's also critical for us to remember that Jesus on, a Jesus on mission is a Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. And there's no church that can do the work that we are called to do if we are not filled with the presence of God. If we are not praying and open and willing to receive the presence and empowerment of the Spirit of God who makes life possible and can extend life through the church. The third thing, he's attentive. Jesus was dependent on the lead of his Father. I love this passage in John 5. They're asking Jesus how it is he's going about doing what he's doing. He explains, he says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself, he does only what the Father, what he sees the Father doing. Whatever, whatever the Father does, the Son also does. That Jesus wasn't out there winging it. But it said Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit is being attentive to the work and the presence of his Father in the world. There's something deeply profound about this idea that God is already at work to bring life to the world that you're in. Like you're not the first on the scene to any mess that you encounter. If it is tragedy, 
if it is heartbreak, if it is broken relationships, if it is family trauma, if it, whatever it is, you're never the first person on the scene. That God is there. And Jesus, every scene that he enters into, he enters full of the Spirit, but paying attention, attentive, dependent, asking the Lord, where are you so that I can join you in this work? This is where bringing life to the world isn't necessarily about this script of activities that we do, but it's about a deep attentiveness and building our lives to pay attention to the work of God. The way that we see a mess be blessed is by being in a place with the presence of God and giving our attentiveness and saying, God, where are you so that I can join you? And this is tied to that next step, that he's obedient, that there's no substitute for faithfulness. If our goal is to see life come to our world, we cannot set aside the faithfulness that God has asked of us. Jesus, empowered by the Spirit and attentive to his Father, then chooses a faithful life even to the point of death. In Philippians 2, it says, When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. The cross is this primary picture of obedience. It is sacrificial. It is full of love. It is also of great cost. There's no way around it. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. So in this pattern of things, we see presence, empowerment, attentiveness, and obedience that leads to this fully alive Jesus. And not just fully alive Jesus, but fully alive everyone who is in Jesus. Because his life brings life. His life brings blessing. His life brings us. Like we will celebrate with Kaya that, that she, because she's given her life as Christ, has been hidden with Christ and she's been buried with him and raised in new life. New life comes through this process. But again, this pattern, present, empowered, attentive, and obedient. And we see that those things naturally lead to resurrection life in me and in my house and in my world. We want to start with this picture. This is absolutely important for us to embrace. And for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about my own mess and the mess in my house and the mess in my world and what it means for us to follow Jesus' way and build our lives in such a way where we can receive his life and be an extension of his life in the world. But I want to start today, I want to start the series with one really important idea. And it's very simple. That the temptation that we will face as the church will always be to ask for God's will to be done our way instead of his. The temptation that we will face as we see mess in the world is to stretch out our, our arms and to say, God, we want to see you change this. We want to see you transform this. Our world needs life. This family needs life. I need life. But to say, I want it with the pattern of my own life, my own way, my own choices, rather than stepping into your way of life. I want resurrection, but I don't want the rest of it. Here's that picture again, and you'll see it. Fully alive is the longing of our hearts. But Jesus says, my will will come my way, which means if you want to see the mess of your world look more like heaven, you're gonna have to enter into the process of walking like Jesus does, which in some ways means we have to be willing to show up. 
Guess what? If you have people in your life that you want them to come to know Jesus and you're not willing to be in their life in a messy way, you're not willing to walk the way of Jesus. You want his will, but you don't want his way. If there's things in your life and you're like, I'm not willing to be fully surrendered and yielded so that I can be empowered by the presence of Jesus, then you want resurrection, but you don't want the spirit. You don't want this deeply dependent life. If we want the will of Jesus in this world, but we don't want to have to listen, like just give me a checklist. I'll just be good, I'll keep my nose clean, I'll try to tip the scales of goodness to bad. No. That's not the way of Jesus. If you want resurrection, but you don't want a cross, you will not see blessing come to your world. And this is the underlying idea that we want to stand in as we talk about this series and what it means for us to be the church in this world. We cannot ask for his will and refuse his way. We cannot ask for his will and refuse his way. We will only see life in the mess of our world if we join him in the patterns of his way of life. As we start off 2024, I feel like I always start off with great intentions to see all this transformation come. Um, But then I have to do the stuff that makes that stuff happen, or at least makes room for it to happen, you know? And let's be honest, in our own lives, there's stuff that Jesus can do, and there's stuff that we can do. And most of the stuff that we really long for in our own mess and in the mess of the people around us, in our family messes, in our workplace messes, our relationship messes, our social messes, whatever, most of the stuff we really long for is beyond what we're capable of. Uh, And I love the story, like I think of the story of the miracle at the wedding of Cana where there's the people who are asked to fill up the big jars of water and then Jesus transforms them into wine Um, there's always this idea that there's stuff that we're responsible for and there's stuff that only Jesus can do. And while the guys who filled up those jars did 0% of the miracle, they did fill up the jars. (laughs) It's never one without the other. Jesus was going to do a miracle, and he says, this is the way I'm going to do it, go fill up the jars. And so they were attentive and they were obedient, and then Jesus does this miraculous thing. The fully alive part of the picture of The life of Jesus is something that only he can do. Only he can bring life. If we could bring it, we would, but we can't. And so he gives us himself and he asks us to join him in the ways that we can in being present and being empowered and receiving the life and the presence of his spirit, of being attentive to his voice, of being willing to say yes to what he's asking us to do. And all of that stuff just positions us to see the miraculous happen as Jesus does what only he can. As he opens the eyes of the blind, as he heals people who need healing, as he brings life and light. And we long for that. But in order for us to see that, we have to come to this place where we say, Jesus, I not only want your will, I, only, I not only want heaven to come to earth, I not only want this mess to not be a mess, but to be a bless, to be a place where your life is seen in the midst of brokenness and pain. I want to see that, God, but I'm also willing to let my life be shaped into the pattern of your life so that it can happen. Jesus, here I am. I'm going to show up to you and say, pour your spirit upon me, and I'm going to listen. I'm going to follow. We cannot be the church that God has placed us where we are to be if we are not willing to enter into 
the way of Jesus. Uh, at Orchard Hill, over the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about uh, the way of life that we try to practice together. Uh, it's real simple. We have five things. We're like, hey, if you do these things, your life is going to naturally start to take this shape. And we call it our blessed rhythm. It's an acrostic. Uh, it just makes it easy to remember. But when you bless your world, when you're learning Jesus, when you're eating with others, when you Sabbath, and when you're making steps of faith, you're going to naturally find yourself at one or more of the spots in the circle where you're showing up with people, where you're learning through Scripture and prayer and community. You're yielding to know Jesus more, to shape your life around him. You're eating with others. You're getting into the mess of their world. And Jesus wasn't afraid of mess. As a matter of fact, you see him willingly entering into it all the time. And Sabbath and resting from our work of listening and paying attention so that we can follow Jesus into the work he set out for us. And steps of faith as we're looking to listen and be attentive. All of these practices are simple things that we intentionally say, if you do these things, you will become a better follower of Jesus because you're going to pattern your life around the way of Jesus. Practice these things and you'll shape your life more and more to look like this. You'll be present. You'll be empowered. You'll be attentive, you'll be obedient, you'll be fully alive. All of this, not because you're working so hard, but because you are joining Jesus in the work he wants to do in you. And that's the good news, is that the gospel starts with Jesus showing up to you. You can't do this apart from Jesus, and you have Jesus. Come on. Like, that should amaze us and humble us. And lead us to a point where we are willing to say, God, just as you have offered yourself to me, here I am. I offer myself to you. Think back about that meme with everything on fire. And I think uh, about the mission that God has given the church to join Jesus. And one of the things I've been praying for myself, I'm praying it for you. And maybe it's a little unfair because sometimes I pray things for you you might not want. <laughs> uh, but I have to pray it myself, right? I'm the primary disciple in my world. If I want it for you and I don't want it for me, that's not cool. So what I've been praying for me and you is that when we encounter this in our day to day, when we encounter a world that's burning, that we would not be a church that says this is fine. But our first move, our first move would be to show up and ask the Spirit to fill us and say, God, what are you up to and how can I join you there? Because God came to bless this mess. He came to bring life to your world. And you know what? I know that most of you could name places in your world that need the life of Jesus. You could probably name them in you. And you can definitely name them in some of the people and places and situations around you. And I want to encourage you. It starts by saying, God, I want your will, and I want your way. So I'm going to ask Brian to come up as we prepare for a time of communion. We prepare our own hearts to come to the table and receive Jesus, to say, Jesus, what you have, I want it. Um, but I want to put these two questions there for you to reflect on as we're preparing the elements. First, are you willing to embrace his will? A church that will not say, hey, this world's a mess and that's not okay. And I want to join you in seeing your life come to the world is not the church uh, that Jesus has designed and called us to be. He's called us to be a church that joins Jesus in blessing the mess of our world. In the moments that we have, we can't fix it all, but we can start where we are and ask Jesus, how do we join you in those things? 
Second question, are you willing to walk in his way? Like, are you willing to take up the pattern of Jesus's life? Not just say, God, fix it. Good luck. Like my kid when he spills cereal all over the kitchen. (laughs) But instead to say, hey, God, this is a mess. And I know you've come to bring life. How can I join you here? Here I am. As we come to the table, remembering what Christ has done, we also recognize that his spirit is here in our midst, offering us himself so that we in turn can say, God, your will, your way. Come and bless this mess.